Well, aren't you glad you came to church today? Today's message will be from the book of Colossians. We're going to conclude with our messages from the Identity um, series for this school term. And then next school um, break, we'll, we'll finish it up. We're going to be in chapter number 3 today, and we're going to look at verses 23 and 24, but the context is verses 18 to chapter 4 and verse number 1. So let's begin by looking at the book of Colossians in chapter number 3 and verse number 23 and 24. The Bible says, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily, as to the Lord and not to men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. That's a powerful statement. Now, you don't start there in your life. That's the result of what you've been doing when you started in Colossians chapter 1 and especially in chapter number 3. Today's principle in our relationship with Jesus Christ is in Christ I can honor the Lord at home and at work. So the Apostle Paul is going to get really practical here today. And it would scare you to death if you started with this particular passage without going back and getting the foundation. Because this, this um, um, practical counsel that Paul's going to give us today, and this is the trilogy, this is the third message in this series, in this mini part of the series, is relating to who we are in Jesus Christ. Verse number one tells us that we need to keep seeking. If you were raised with Christ, he says, um, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. He says that we're to set our mind on the things above and not on the things of the earth. Let me ask you a question. Is your life's ambition to keep seeking the things of God? You see, a seeking attitude pushes us to pursue Jesus Christ through all of our life's challenges. We sang that this morning. We sang about how the Lord is with us when we're having our good days and especially when we're having our struggles. We prayed about it this morning with, with, some, with our church family. Some of them are hurting today. And we prayed about that. And so as we seek these things, we pursue Jesus Christ during those life challenges. Don't let that leave you. Because even when those problems are intense, we would like to settle many times for something less than the best. And that is always going to be the temptation, is to seek something that is less than what Jesus Christ has for us. So how do we cultivate that attitude? Well, it begins with the realm of the mind. He says to set your mind on the things above. So we're to concentrate our thoughts. I'm, I'm giving you a review here. Concentrate our thoughts on the eternal while we're living in the present. As, as Michael often says, we, we see that uh, the things are much bigger than what we're looking at ourselves. And we're to be involved in that. Um, Philippians chapter 4, verse number 8. It's not on your screen here, but you might want to jot that down. Tremendous passage of scripture. The Apostle Paul says that we're to concentrate on certain areas in our life. We're to concentrate on things that are true, things that are noble, things that are just, things that are pure, things that are lovely, things that have a good report, 
things that are virtuous. And if it's praiseworthy, he says, meditate on those things. Remember, capture your thoughts is what we talked about last week. Um, uh, capture them. Tell them to stop. Find out where they're going and what those thoughts are doing. And because of this, um, we do this because our lives, the Bible says, are hidden in Jesus Christ. That's found in verse number three of that passage. And so Paul says here, before he even gets to the practical things, he says that we're to put off some things. And we're to put on some things. Let, let me show you here in verse number eight. He says that we're to put off anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, which is slander, filthy language out of your mouth. He says, do not lie one to another. He says, since you've put off that old man. And he says that we're to put on a new man, which, re, which is renewed according to the image of him. Now, don't you suppose that if we did that, if we put off anger, if we put off wrath, we put off malice, we put off slander or blasphemy, we put off filthy language, and if we don't lie to ourselves, don't you suppose that that would have an effect in the two closest relationships that we have, and that is in our home and in our workplace? Now, last week we talked about also it has a relationship effect upon the church. And so the application is going to follow. So turn in your Bibles, um, if you will, to verses number 18 down to verse number f uh, chapter number 4, verse number 1. We're in Colossians chapter 3. Now the Apostle Paul has prepared us for what's to come. And he says, wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives do not be bitter against them or toward them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bondservants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And then we come to our key passage. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. So what are we talking about here? We're talking about honoring the Lord in our relationships. And so the first relationship he's talking about here is the relationships that we have in our homes. And so um, he's talking about husbands and wives here in verses 18 and 19. And Paul is going to give us two patterns to follow. We're not going to get into specifics here. He's going to give us a pattern. And so the first pattern is the pattern of Submission. Submission, of course, is found in all of our aspects and in all of our, our, our life relationships in the church, in our, in, our, in our society. And so he's talking about here having a pattern of submission. In verse number um, 18 and 19, I'll read it again. He says, wives, we're talking about the home now. Wives, submit to your own husbands as it is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. Do not be bitter against them. 
Submission, of course, speaks of order. It doesn't speak of worth or value. It, it, the Greek term actually means it's a rank uh, that, that you're under. It's illustrated often in the military, in the workplace, um, even in the home, as we're talking about here. It's the role that is taken. Submission indicates that it's something that you do voluntarily. And so whenever something works, it's always working when people do their proper roles and um, we could open this up and go into it but we have a lot to cover today so I'm going to um, take it where the Apostle Paul takes it we're going to jump back and forth here to the book of Ephesians so if you find the book of Ephesians which is just near Colossians um, find chapter number five and chapter six and we're going to jump back and forth there because the Apostle Paul is going to go a little bit deeper. He's not going to give us the illustration of submission from a military point of view or from a workplace point of view. He's going to give it from the pattern of Jesus Christ himself and the church. So Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Wives, he, this is a parallel passage. So he's writing the same thing to the church at Ephesus. He says, wives, verse 22 Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. That's the illustration. You submit to your husbands as the Lord did, as to the Lord. Now, here's what it is. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, remember whenever we see a therefore? Therefore, here's the application. Just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. So the example to follow is not the example from the world, it's the example of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus Christ submitted to God the Father. He, he um, The Bible tells us in, in 1 Corinthians 11, verse number 3, that the head of Christ is God. Now, of course, we know that, that Jesus Christ is God, the submission points out to the role that he was taking here. So it points out to the relationship. It's the attitude that we have in the local church. It's the attitude that you are actually having right at this very moment by being polite and listening to this. You are submitting. And I am submitting by showing up on time <laughs> and by coming and doing this. Submission's a part of our life all the time. And so the, the role that we're talking about here that he says for wives to submit to your husband, that is a role that is taken because the wife is seeking those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting on the right hand of God. That is the submission that he's talking about in the home life for the wife who is setting her mind on the bigger picture that is going on here. The savior of the body is what Christ is to the church. It is a joy to submit and to serve when the heart is engaged. So when Jesus Christ has your heart, then you understand the picture. We could go and take, take a whole thing about um, the, the role of, of uh, husbands and wives in the church. But the Apostle Paul's giving us this example. So let me ask you something here. Um, wives, what does your life look like because you're seeking those things which are above? You're saying, well, you don't know my husband. Okay, well, let's turn to the husband. The Apostle Paul is going to turn to the husband now. And now you women can relax for a moment. And, um, and, and, and guys, listen up. He says, husbands, 
We're back in, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 19. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Now, all of us have a thought about what love means. But what this term love means here is the Apostle Paul is talking about a love that is selfless love, not romantic love. It's a love that is sacrificial love. Men, if we take this instruction seriously, we will put our wives' needs and our wives' interests ahead of our own. If we do that, then the, the wives' submission is a, is a very simple thing because they understand that actually you're putting their needs, their, their desires, their interests ahead of your own. And he says here, uh, do not um, be bitter toward them. Bitterness often will occur. And what happens with bitterness occurs, it hinders communication. And from there, it can actually destroy a relationship. How does bitterness happen in your life, men? No, no man actually is going to say he's bitter about it. Bitterness is holding a grudge because of an unresolved conflict. When something's happened, you say, well, we'll just sweep it under the rug and nothing's going to happen from that. It's always going to be there. When it's have an unmet expectation, you go into marriage and you say, that's why I, I believe that every married couple should always be in a counseling situation. That doesn't necessarily mean to always be with a counselor, but to always be in a counseling situation. Read the books. Read, understand what it means. Whenever you see a seminar that you're, that's worthy to go to, be involved in it. It takes work. And so bitterness is, is, um, can develop, especially in men, when, when the expectations that they have in a marriage doesn't come about. You know what the, um, what the um, key is? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. And that's one of the things that the Apostle sa Paul says that we're to be doing. Go back to verses number 12 and 14. That's the beauty about having your Bible open in front of you. In verses number 12, he talks about putting on this new man. And so, husbands, if we put on as the elect of God, holy and beloved, tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, if we're bearing with one another and forgiving one another, even as Christ forgave us, then that, then that command will be easy to, to obey. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter against them. So the Apostle Paul is going to go a little bit deeper here. Remember I told you to flip back to, to the book of Ephesians now. Let's have a look at the parallel passage. He's going to deepen it a little bit more for us. He says in, in chapter 5, in verses 25 to 28, he says, Husbands, love your wives. Now he's going to give us the, the illustration. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Wow. What an illustration. And for this purpose, he gave himself for the church. Verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. The church of Jesus Christ is the focus of Jesus Christ. That's why he came. That he might present her to himself a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But that she should be holy 
and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies, he says. He who loves his wife loves himself. So in other words, the illustration the Apostle Paul's given us men is he's saying you, you want to look around and see how you and I are supposed to love our wives. We don't love our wives based on what the society says love is. We're to base our lives on what Jesus Christ's relationship to his church is. And what was it? Sacrificial. With purpose. This is the type of love that invites and encourages submission. So now the Apostle Paul is going to direct his attention to the children. And that's where the husband and wife, when they have the great relationship, of course, if God blesses you with children, then that brings a whole new realm into it. Um, and so he says here, and going back to Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 20, and this is when the children, you need to listen up on this one, because if there's something that you children, you and I, uh, we were all, all the adults in this room were once children. And all you children will someday be adults. The attitude that you are, are, are fostering and developing now as a child will carry through to adulthood. It truly will. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says here in verse number 20. He says, children, there's only one thing he asks you to do. Obey your parents in all things. He says, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. So a word for children, one word obedience that's all it takes it pleases the lord when children are obedient to their parents in fact the bible says here it's well pleasing to the lord he's got his attention you know obedience displays an attitude that will serve you very well in life again let's look back at ephesians chapter number six and let's see how the apostle paul develops that even further and so he says in chapter 6, in verse number 1, he says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Why? For this is right. For this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. I don't know how many times my father pointed that out to me. You want to live a long time in this earth? You, in fact, do you want to live till next week? <laughs> he says, obey me. <laughs> obey me. <laughs> One of the first things we taught Michael was, children, obey your parents. Taught him that verse, and Michael learned it well. Look where he is today. Look who's serving under him. And so, <laughs> Paul reminds us that this promise goes back all the way back to the book of Exodus. It goes all the way back to the fifth commandment when Moses was on Sinai and he had all those commandments for the children of Israel. And he says here in Exodus 20 in verse number 12, this is the fifth commandment. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You see, the attitude of obedience of a child to, the, uh, to a godly father who loves the mother and a mother who is submitting to the father, that godly attitude there will develop the strongest bond that we have here, the strongest institution, if you will, that this society could ever see, and that is the institution of the family. 
the Lord gives us three different things. The first institution he ever gave us was the family and marriage. The second was civil government. And the third was the local church. And in every single one of that, in every single one, as you open up God's word, you'll see that there's submission and obedience in every single one of those. So children, you're wondering what does God want me to do? How can I be how can I be somebody that God is using? Obey your parents. And by the way, as you obey your parents, you're taking the weight of the responsibility off of yourselves and you're putting it right back where it needs to be on mom and dad. So we see here in in, um, um, Proverbs 13, the um, Solomon, and there's so many Proverbs we could have brought on here, but um, Proverbs 13 Um, Verse number one, um, Solomon writes, A wise son heeds his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. You know, Second Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy and he tells us tells us that disobedience to parents is an evidence that we are living in perilous times. Children, I hope that Proverbs um, 23, 25 is your testimony. Um, if, if you can ask your mom and dad later if this is your testimony. Look what I say. It'll be on the screen here. Proverbs 23, 25. Let your father and your mother be glad. And she and let her who bore you rejoice. Kids, are you glad? Are, are your parents glad that you're here? <laughs> that, that, you, that you were born? You know, um, Paul's going to turn his attention to dads here in just a moment because the attitude of the father often is reflected in the obedience or disobedience of the children. Listen to what Paul says here to the dads. There's one word that he's going to give to the dads here. And I'm going to put this word in here. It's called nurturing. Dads are to be nurturing. He doesn't talk to the mom here at all. But to nurture means to care, to protect, and to guide while the child is growing. And so we look at, um, back in Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 21. From children, obey your parents, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. The Apostle Paul talks about one of the things that can actually hinder a child from obeying his parents. And that is in verse 21. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. A child's obedience is assisted by a father's patience, his understanding, and his consistency. Sometimes a child's poor attitude can be a reflection of a lack of acceptance on the parent's part. Um, And that's why nurturing is so very, very important. We often think of nurturing as something that a lady does that that the mother does but the apostle paul is is talking about here in in um, back in ephesians in chapter number six he uses that more so um when when he says and you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath but bring them up and that's where i get the term nurturing from bring them up in the training and admonition of the lord you know why because a discouraged child can lose heart you don't want to destroy a child's spirit. Um, you, you, might want to, you might want to get their will under control, but you don't want to attack their spirit. 
And so their confidence and their hope and their self-worth comes by, by what they are taught and illustrated in the home. So they can react um, to, to a, a parent who isn't um, um, a training in the admonition of the Lord by looking for acceptance elsewhere. Oh my, with the social media that we have today and with all the different things that are just screaming for the attention of your kids, they're going to seek love and acceptance from somewhere and it needs to be in the home. The Apostle Paul is really nailing us here and he's telling us here that those who are seeking the things that are above those who are setting their minds, their attitudes, and their hearts on the things that above are going to be submission, submissive wives. They're going to be loving husbands, obedient children, and nurturing fathers. Because they can, because they can, um, they can actually change the world by one generation. And so listen to the command that Moses gave Israel regarding the children and the grandchildren. As they were moving into the promised land, um, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, I'll give you an illustration here. Fathers, what does that mean to nurture? Listen to what Moses said to the children of Israel. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Your heart. So if your kids are reacting to you, Maybe the heart problem is yours. And so he says, begin with your heart. And he says, and then from there, in verse number seven, he says, you shall teach them diligently to your children. What is that? The words that he commanded them. And he says, and you will talk of them when you sit down in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. In other words, you're consistent, dads. That's what he's saying here. Um, we're leading up to Father's Day. It'd be a great Father's Day sermon, wouldn't it? It's a great thing to lead up to Father's Day, dads, to, to understand that, that the Apostle Paul says that we're to do two things here. We're to love our wives and we're to, um, and to, uh, to not provoke our children. In other words, to nurture our children. Now, the Apostle Paul is going to take us out of the home here and he's going to now take us to the workplace and so if you look here in verses number, let's see, verse number 22. First of all, he's going to talk about employees. Now, we're going to look at verse number 22 to 25. And we're going to read here. He's going to use a term here, bondservants. Or some translations are slaves. Interesting. He says in verse 22, bondservants. Obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. It's a big ask, isn't it? He says, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. How is it that you're serving the Lord Christ? Because you're seeking those things which are above where Christ is. Sitting at the right hand of God. You're serving him. He says, but he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done. And there is no partiality. Again, let's go back to the book of Ephesians. As he unpacks it a little bit more. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 5 through 8. 
bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling. In other words, with respect, in sincerity of heart as to Christ. Not with eye service as men pleases, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. In the first century of Rome, slavery made up a large percentage of the workforce. And of course, when, when a slave got saved, he became a, um, he, 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 he was part of the church there, and he was free from his sin. But uh, as he's assembled in the church, the Bible says there's no slave, there's no, there's, there's no free man, there's no, uh, we're all one in, in Jesus Christ. Can you imagine what life would have been like then for the slave master and for the slave to be members of the same church, especially as they begin to grow in Christ? The book of Philemon talks a lot about that. It's a very interesting concept that he's talking about here because he's saying here that even though you're free in Jesus Christ, you're still living in slavery. And so um, Paul addresses this and he talks about the attitude that they are to have. Now, some of you are stuck in a job and you think that that's slavery. <laughs> And, and another part of slavery that they would do in the first century is whenever they owed a debt or something like that, they would, they would become bond servants. In other words, they would serve for a certain amount of time. And during that certain amount of time, that would pay off the debt. Very similar is to signing a contract and saying that you're going to work for a certain firm or you're going to be in the military or something like that. Not a whole lot of difference here. Because the, the um, Romans had laws about how you're to treat your slaves. Now, some of them were pretty harsh laws. So they, these Christians had to live under this. Now, let's take some application from this, though, because this is a revolutionary thought that, that, that the Apostle Paul is teaching here. Because your jobs today, as you go to work tomorrow morning or maybe this afternoon or wherever you go and whatever you're doing, you know, you may think that that's not ministering to the Lord. Maybe ministering is what you do on a Sunday or what you do on a roster system or what you do in our Sunday school and our, or excuse me, our kids church or, or maybe up here on the platform or whatever you do as a volunteer. But ministry actually is performed, as the Apostle Paul says here, in the workplace as to the Lord. He says here that we're to be highly motivated. We're to be honest. We're to be hardworking. And when that happens in our life out there, people are going to notice. So in your, on your, um, on your, um, in your bulletin there, there's several blanks here. Because I, I, I pulled out here from verses 22 to 24, the Christian's work ethic. So Paul is going to tell us some principles here. The first thing that we see here is that in verse number 22, let me read it again. Bondservants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. He says, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord 
Christ. I'll, I'll stop right there. The Apostle Paul isn't going to go into this and, and, and unpack it and talk about, oh, but you don't know my boss and you don't know this, you don't know that. He's given us some principles here and he's going to allow the fact that you and I are seeking those things which are above. The Holy Spirit's working within us and he's going to give us some principles. First principle is you need to be loyal. Loyalty is very important as a Christian work ethic. Um, imagine the testimony that you have when you're loyal. You can be trusted on, on the job. Um, we're to be consistent in our effort in what we're doing here. It's found in verse number 22 as well. He says that we're to obey in all things according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleases. In other words, when the boss isn't looking, we're still doing the same. We can be trusted. He says that we're to also have a reverence for God. In verse number 22, he, he says, But in sincerity of heart, fearing God. Paul then says here in verse number 23 that we're to be enthusiastic about our jobs. So you might want to get to bed early tonight so you can be enthusiastic tomorrow morning, okay? Because he says here in verse number 23, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily. The word is heartily, not hardly. Okay? Do it heartily as to the Lord and unto men. And that's found in verse number 23. And so we have our devotion is to the Lord. In verse 23, as to the Lord and not to men. Verse 24 then, our confidence is in the Lord and not in our workplace. He says in verse 24, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. For you serve the Lord Christ. I want you to notice something here. If you've written those things down, I want you to see something here. In, in the first ones, the loyalty and the consistency are outward actions that people will see in your life. They will see that. But where does it come from? It comes from the next one, reverence, which is an inward attitude. And then he goes back to enthusiasm, which is an outward expression. Of what? An inward attitude. Devotion to the Lord and confidence of the Lord. Imagine the testimony that you would have that backs up your, that backs up your, your profession of faith um, on the job when you apply these attitudes. Uh, let me tell you an illustration about this. Um, when I was in Bible college, I don't have to go all the way back to Bible college to get an illustration about this, but this is far enough in the back. Um, when we had our Bible college in Southern California, and we would, um, we would go to classes at 7.30 in the morning up until just after about 1 o'clock we'd end up. And so people would be able to work in the afternoons and the evenings. And so Don had a job, I had a job. We, we worked 40 hours a week and we went to college as well. There were a couple industries in our local community in the L.A. area that wanted to hire our students. And, and you could almost always get a job if you simply said, I'm from Pacific Coast Baptist Bible College, and here's my grade point average, and I'd like to have a job. You got the job. Why? Because they knew that you would be loyal. They knew that you'd be consistent. They knew that you would be enthusiastic on the job. That's what they saw on the outside. And so from that, you got to give your testimony of Jesus Christ. Years ago, 
I worked in, in down in Perth, and I worked for a major insurance company. I won't give you the name, but I worked for a major insurance company on St. George's Terrace. And I was serving the Lord, and I was, I was working as assistant pastor in the church. I was teaching um, some night classes in, 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 in Bible college and all this. And then I was working my job. And as I was working my job and I had my portfolios and I was doing things, I was an inspector for the insurance company. When I left, I got a letter. And I got this letter from the, from the, um, um, uh, the, the state manager. And the state manager, I still have this letter to this day. He says, I never write letters like this to employees who are leaving. But I'm writing to you because of the influence that you've had here in our company. Because of your enthusiasm and your attitude. But you're making the right decision going full-time in the ministry. He didn't use the word full-time, but he thought that I was leaving this to, to become, a, I don't know what he thought, a priest or whatever. But I, he knew that I was going to go and work full-time. He says, that is a logical thing for you to be doing. I kept that letter. That's a testimony that you and I can have. By seeking the things that are above, we will be a blessing to our employers. We'll be a blessing to the company. And we live in a wonderful country where we have lots of laws that protect employees. We have lots of uh, laws that, that, that make sure that you have a good salary and all this. And instead of focusing on all that, if we focus on serving the Lord, let God take care of the rest of it and see what he does in your life with your job. The satisfaction in your job. I used to, um, when I went into the... Um, when we moved over here, I had no job like many of you and all this. The Lord has never, ever let me down. He's always supplied for me. And so, so he says here, he says that we're to, be, we're to be the same in our homes as in our workplace. But then he turns to the final things here is the employers. And he calls them masters because remember the slave um, master relationship here. But um, he says in verse number um, one of chapter four, he says, Masters, give your servants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Just and fair. Must have been a pretty high ideal back in the Roman days to be asking them to be just and fair to your servants it still is but just as this attitude of a christian employer uh, employee is it comes from seeking and setting uh, their hearts on the on the things of the lord that's the same for the employer as the employer is doing that he will look as at his employees and maybe today you hire employees or you have people maybe you're middle management you have people that work under you this is a great Thing that we need to be understanding here because Paul develops this in Ephesians 6 in verse number 9 and we're just going to kind of bring this to a conclusion he says and you masters do the same things to them giving up threatening knowing that your own master also is in heaven and there is no partiality with him in other words to summarize Christian employers are to be just in their dealings they're to be equitable to their employees they're to be because they are accountable to God. I tell you, that's a boss that everybody would want to work for. <laughs> Just in their dealings, equitable 
to their employees and accountable to God. Makes it much easier for the employee to be loyal, to be consistent, and to be enthusiastic. Let me ask you a couple questions here. Do you not see that the Apostle Paul doesn't start with our home and our workplace? He starts with our attitude in chapter number three. It's crucial to our identity in Christ that we must honor the Lord. Both, Otherwise, we're lying, both in our home and in our workplace. And this is where real Christianity is. If you believe it, you will live it. So let me ask you, what are some areas? I know this has been very convicting for me as, I, as I've been studying this for the last month. Um, what are some areas that you need to focus on in your home life this week? You know, if you dedicate your marriage and your family to the Lord, you will understand that you're going to be surrendering your ambitions to the Lord. And as you understand that your identity is in Christ, then your submission will be like submission, like the church is subject to Jesus Christ. Your love will be like how Jesus loves the church. And you go, how does he do that? Get into God's word and find out. Your, your obedience is because it pleases the Lord so much. Your, your nurturing is because, because you're the responsible one to nurture. Your serving is heartily because you're serving the Lord. You're just and you're fair because you know that you're accountable to God. You're loyal. You're, you're consistent. Your reverence is toward God. Your enthusiasm, your devotion, and your confidence all comes because you're seeking those things which are above. You set your mind on the things which are above. Let's all stand together. Lord, we thank you for your word today. Now, Lord, these are very practical things that, that he's talked about today. And maybe there's some areas in our lives that, that we need to, to get some help on. That we need to get some further counsel on. And I pray, Lord, that you'll work with us this week, especially as the kids go back to school and as we, as we go back to our workplaces and our, some of our, 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 our various things that we need to do, that we will not become complacent in our attitudes at home. And we'll learn to, to, to give our lives and our homes to Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that, um, that as, as, we, as we move through this, that we will also see how deep your love is for us. And we'll respond to that. And there's somebody here today who doesn't know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. They will understand that today you're calling out to them. And I pray that they'll turn from their sin and they'll turn to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.